Hey y'all, welcome back to the Homegrown Horticulture Podcast. It's been a while. In this episode, we have two guests. Michael Karen talks about the importance of sharpening and maintaining tools that you use in your yard. And Samantha Hansen, who's a very experienced horticulturist, talks about ranunculus and how they're an underused flower in the Intermountain West and how to get them to overwinter when they're not necessarily hardy here in Utah. The Homegrown Horticulture Podcast serves the Intermountain West specifically. There are so many areas in the nation where gardening is just different because of increased rainfall and acidic soils to where in the Intermountain West, where we are unique and not everything recommended by national gardening companies and others actually does well here. Welcome back. And now for Michael Karen. What do you do with your pruners and loppers to keep them in tip-top shape? So I do three things. One is I, I keep the sap buildup off. I like to keep them um, really clean. So I usually clean them after the end of every pruning session. I like to use um, a degreaser called Simple Green, but I've used other ones too, including some of the citrus degreasers. They all work really well. I like them because they don't tend to irritate my skin. WD-40 type products have been recommended in a lot of fact sheets. And why don't you like those? They're a little bit more expensive than, say, something like Simple Green. The Simple Green doesn't irritate my skin like the the petroleum products do, like WD-40. And WD-40, a lot of people think that it's going to do a good job and lubricate their, their tools, and it doesn't. So I clean them separately with an environmentally friendly degreaser, and then I uh, use air tool oil usually to oil them when I'm done cleaning. So what does the oil do? So the oil does two things. It lubricates the joints and the, the moving the moving parts to help keep the, the metal from rubbing on itself at the hinge and, and helps them last longer. And that also reduces the drag and the friction so it's easier on my hands. And I, I also like to put a thin layer on all of the exposed metal and that helps keep rust and pitting to a minimum, uh, especially if I inadvertently leave them laying in the garden somewhere for a few days, which does happen. So pruning loppers and hand pruners is different than sharpening a knife blade. And a lot of times people will purchase a simple tool from a hardware store that you drag a knife through. Why are those bad for loppers and pruners? The typical knife sharpener, if you're getting one of those simple ones that kind of have built in stones that you just pull the knife through and they they have the stones aligned at angles to sharpen both sides of the blade at the same time most pruners or at least quality pruners are only sharpened on one side and so those kind of tools that you would use for knives then would actually ruin or dull the blade of most loppers and pruners which just have a beveled edge on one side so you want to keep the the blade as flat as you can on the back side and a nice straight bevel on the the other side that you're going to sharpen so that you don't have little bits of, say, uncut wood material that kind of hangs after you've made the major cut. We have other tools in our sheds that need to be sharpened. What do you do to sharpen those? So there's different things that I've done with those. I have a little bench in my garage and I have a vise that's mounted to it. So I will usually just mount them in there and I just use a hand file to put an edge on them. But if it's a new shovel or it's been really dinged up in with rocks and things, I might use a small grinder like on a Dremel tool or even a, a bench grinder to kind of put a good edge on there. There, there, That metal's a lot thicker and it's gonna take a lot more time to do it. 
but I typically only look at those or touch those up um, yearly where with pruners and loppers, I usually touch up the edge on those and keep those sharp every time I use them. So Mike, before we go, you wanted to talk about one more important or at least very useful sharpening tool. So what I like to carry with me is a small, like a 400 grit diamond whetstone. That's what I use to just generally touch up my pruners and loppers while I'm out in the field, or even if I take them back into the garage and give them a little bit more working over to just kind of generally keep it sharp. It doesn't have to be like smooth and polished like you would have like a fine kitchen knife polished. So I don't worry about it, you know, that much, but I just like to carry a small stone with me. And I find that that works really well for most of the sharpening that needs to be done on these simple hand tools. Well, Mike, thank you again. I appreciate all your time. Yep. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk to you soon. And next up, we have Samantha Hansen, a very experienced horticulturist living in Utah County that grows all sorts of things. She's talented and great to listen to. So you grow ranunculus. Yeah, sometimes I hear them called buttercups, but mostly in the cut flower world, they go by the ranunculus name. And you see these in garden centers in late winter, early spring, but have you found them to be relatively hardy in the spring? Actually, garden center ones are perfect to plant right out. Um, I've done that several times with like my pansies and others, and they're great that way. There's just not as many fun colors as if you buy the corms online. The ones in the garden centers that you can purchase, say, like now, would you be confident putting those out in your yard? Looking at the weather this week, seeing how many hard frost dates there are, I probably would wait. But yeah, I've planted them out this early, just a few, even a few years ago, and had no problems with that. So what flowers are up right now that you find they mix well with? I like them with pansies and with Iceland poppies. And if you've got the daffodils already planted, they look fantastic with those as well. So how long do the blossoms generally last? So I found that I have blooms on the flowers. When I start them from corms, they start blooming from like May to June um, with the ones that are already flowering from the nursery centers. Um, it's about six weeks as well. So you get blooms, say, if you planted them now from March until mid-April. So you could actually double dose them or do double duty and buy garden center anunculus and then also put the bulbs in. Absolutely. That's a great way to extend your harvest on those. So when do you purchase the bulbs? So I like to purchase them in the fall. That's when I find the best selection available online. There are a lot of online garden centers, though, that sell them now as well. Problem with those is I find that they don't ship them until a little bit later, and they do like um, a little bit cooler weather to get started. I find I'm a little bit behind by the time they get shipped to my house in the spring. They're waiting until your, your last frost date, really, to get things shipped out. And I mean, you can get them started. I get a few weeks of blooms, but it's nothing like if I can get them started in the fall or early, early spring. So what plan do you use to get these planted in the fall? Yeah. So online, some of the best places I like to go is Eden Brothers or Longfield Gardens. They've got a pretty good selection of good colors for both bedding plants and for cut flowers. And they ship them fairly quickly to get those ready. And what was the first one? What brothers? It's called Eden Brothers. Oh, Eden Brothers. Okay. 
Yeah. So if I'm getting the corms, they need to be pre-soaked. So I just let them soak in water for, you know, four or five hours until they double up in size. And I prefer to pre-sprout them, which basically means I put them in a flat. I throw a bunch of soil on top and I let them sit in my basement for a couple of weeks until little green tops start to pop out of the soil. And at that point, I just throw them into the garden because our weather isn't that warm as they like. I put, usually mulch them, mulch them up pretty well, like one to two inches of leaf mulch to make sure they're protected. And so you're just using leaf litter on top of them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, one thing that I've found is location matters a, a big deal as well. So I try and find a place that gets a lot, a lot of southern sun so that that way the ground's not as likely to stay frozen for as long. So in a really harsh winter, have you had more of them die? Unfortunately, yes. I had this perfect spot in my my yard and then we put up a fence and that blocked out the sun and it made it a lot more difficult for them to come back. I did have a few, but out of 40, it was like five or six. What size flat are you putting them into? Just like a 10 by 20. I just fill it up with soil and however many crumbs I have and usually that's enough. So are you putting them into individual cells or just into a flat filled with soil? Just a flat filled with soil. They have they don't have enough time to grow and the roots don't get that tangled. So it makes it really easy to just pull them out one by one and toss into the earth wherever you're wanting them to go. Samantha, thank you so much. Um, appreciate you being on the show. And I'm sure we'll call again with more questions. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you again for listening to the Homegrown Horticulture Podcast. The show is a production of Utah State University Extension and was produced this week by yours truly. Savannah Peterson, a Utah State University graduate in horticulture, composed the intro and outro music. The Joy Drops performed the transition music. It is used by permission. Thank you again for listening. If you are still listening, the show is over.